0: This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, LSEG post hyper-average numbers with a Hail Mary dividend rise to boot, while the National Stock Exchange of India seeks a new CEO and the former CEO, Chitra, is cuffed. And is this a sign of the brave new Asia-centric world as the West declines? Nickel trading halted at LME due to a position taken by a man we've never heard of from a company which was unknown to this particular podcast presenter, despite it having 56,000 employees. OK, OK, I must be slacking. Business city, I struggle to find on a map. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 135. Good day ladies and gentlemen, this is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the past week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Over in India, the National Stock Exchange, holy hoax, colo fraud, Continues apace. The story developed this week with Chitra Ramkrishna seeking preemptive bail at the tail end of last week. What a fascinating cornucopia of curiosities the legal system of India includes. That preemptive bail was without success. The former NSE CEO Chitra Ramkrishna was duly arrested on Sunday in the festering aftermath of what SEBI thought was its resolution of the Kolo crisis just a few weeks ago. The holy hoax fiasco has taken on a life of its own, with Chitra now imprisoned for at least seven days. And doubtless it's taken lumps out of the National Stock Exchange's potential IPO valuation, presuming there's even a viable chance of a listing in the course of the next year. Shang Guangda, who controls the world's largest nickel producer, Shan Holding Group, and is known as Big Shot in Chinese commodity circles, has, according to the South China Morning Post, closed out part of his company's short position in nickel and is considering whether to exit the wager altogether. That's according to sources. So, having never heard of Mr. Shang Guanda, who controls the world's largest nickel producer, Sing Shan Holding Group, my bad for not knowing that, I suspect we'll be hearing a great deal more in forthcoming months about... Mr. Guangda and Tsing Shan Holding Group, as it strikes me he may yet be in the history books for market upheavals, let alone swinging losses. In this case, the big short looks to be costing a major nickel firm a lot of money, even for those who, for whom a billion here and a billion there, and soon we're talking about real money, mentality prevails. The London Metals Exchange have found themselves in a sticky situation, although there seems to have been been rapid action taken albeit whether it helps or hinders the original short remains to be seen certainly it's an interesting test for the lme's clearing house although there's no evidence so far to suggest that the ccp dam was being breached as we recorded this podcast that said it may take a few days to unpack and it may even be next week's podcast edition before we know exactly what's going on And of course, we can muse on one mega short being caught out during the Ukraine invasion. Speaking of the Ukraine invasion, that has marked a very sad moment geopolitically and it was sad, if entirely understandable, to see industry associations led by Feze, the Federation of European Securities Exchanges, suspending Russian members by dint of their government's actions of late. Each, the European Association of Central Counterparty Clearing Houses, was also swift to move, while the World Federation of Exchanges and eventually the London Bullion Market LBMA were laggards with this process. Indeed, the LBMA were days in arrears of even the Eurovision Song Contest suspending Russia. Euromoney ran a cri de coeur. Russia's financial system, what a waste. It's a mujist headline. So sad to see all the excellent work by MOEX and other exchanges in Russia being torn apart by the increasingly unhinged Russian leader. Then again, the worry is without Putin, who would lead Russia, and would it be any better? The closure of the Russian stock markets prompted many headlines, such as one in The Spectator musing Will the Russian Stock Exchange ever reopen? Of course, the answer is I'm sure, of course it will. Albeit through no fault of the many good men and women who created a powerhouse in MOEX and those whose endeavours elsewhere gave birth to Spimex and the St Petersburg Stock Exchange, tragically a full generation of achievement has been hugely imperiled by a land grab from the Kremlin, more becoming of the 18th or 19th century than the 21st. Bloomberg indeed examined the sting in the tail of stock market closures this week by noting shutting down stock markets tends to only delay the declines. On a happier note, congratulations amongst others and a very happy International Women's Day to all our listeners. NASDAQ CEO Adina Friedman, she made Time Magazine's first woman of the year list, one among a dozen of superhero American women. Brexit City AM. The truth is out there. The Brexit impact is minimal. The City of London lost only 7,500 jobs. Of course, the unrepentant Bank of England always want more time before risking their gilt-edged pensions. On any suggestions, things might be remotely OK. Thus, we had the headline in Reuters. Brexit fallout on finance will take years, says Bank of England. That contrasts with the voluble outpourings of that ghastly Canadian windbag governor whose hot air he never seems to have adequately accounted for in carbon terms or being earth-problematic as a whole despite it never proving Brexit accurate. Anyway, it's a simple truth and one exchange investor always believed in. The City of London is far from dead. Actually, it's flourishing. Hashtag, despite Brexit. The usual scaremongers have been proven wrong once again but they now have a new seam of russo-catastrophism to serve their perverse desire for perma-negativity. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young. Yes, that's me. Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators, and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 U.S. dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, Patrick at derivativesvision.com results this week well the london stock exchange group as i mentioned at the top of the program they produce some rather milk toast numbers as gradually refinative permeates the entire organisation and brings the lseg down to earth a dividend rise was smacking of well desperation as out of his depth dave the group ceo is trying to avoid the slippage of lseg being ultimately held hostage by what used to be reuters financial Johannesburg Stock Exchange, they had rather disappointing numbers as well, 6.0% drop in annual profit. While the Nigerian Exchange Group recently listed on their own market, they announced growth of 22.2% in profits after tax. The Saudi Stock Exchange, also a recent IPO candidate, they equally produced very impressive numbers, 17% profit hike in the first post-listing results they delivered. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. New markets this week. The former Hong Kong Exchanges Chief Charles Lee is proposing a Hong Kong market for Chinese offshore bonds. Charles himself said China should set up an innovative bond market in Hong Kong and enhance transparency and trading efficiency to address concerns of offshore investors. Interesting idea all round. Cryptocurrency exchange FTX, who recently got themselves a license in the Bahamas, they're going to work from Cyprus for their European operations, having secured a license there recently. Not really sure Cyprus is the top tier jurisdiction sending the best message, but at least the island will, I suppose, be relieved that it's diversifying from its rather russo-centric business model. The Singapore exchange-backed private market platform ADDX has announced that Oi Yi Chu will be appointed its Chief Executive Officer, subject to the Monetary Authority of Singapore's approval. The investment banking veteran aims to build Asia's largest private market exchange and record a billion dollars in transactions by 2023. That's quite a lot to do in just 18 months. Deals news this week. Level ATS and Luminex Trading and Analytics have completed their merger, while NASDAQ priced a $550 million senior notes offering. Aggregate principal amount of 3.95% senior notes due 2052. Quite fascinating, because at the same time, the CME, they're looking for 10-year money, $750 million of it, due 2032, and they're paying an interest rate of 2.65%. Finally, in deals this week, IG Group, they've announced they completed the sale of Nadex and the small exchange. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, it's still time for you to manage to get a copy of Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World. My latest book examining the... Wonderful, fascinating, incredible opportunities that are taking place twenty years on from the capital market revolution, right across the exciting gamut of fintech and markets. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, don't forget check out our live stream Tuesday, six p.m. London time. That's 1300 New York time, Although check this week because, of course, we've got a clock change. We're looking forward this week to a fantastic session with Bland. He is the master of the futures, that's master of the futures of Intercontinental Exchange, right across their incredible exchange-traded derivatives portfolio. Check in this Tuesday should be a very very exciting session also if you want to go to youtube.com and look for ipo-vid you can check out last week's broadcast where we were talking to nigel Feedham qc he's the head of financial services within the hassan's law firm which is one of the premier law firms in gibraltar and we were talking about how nigel is a fintech renaissance man Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Borse bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 U.S. dollars per user, per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com. Or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. Product news this week. ICE Benchmark Administration have introduced the ICE US Dollar Inflation Expectations Index family. Aquas Exchange, they're adding a welter of Czech and Hungarian stocks to their pan-European market, while Euronext have announced the launch of the AEX ESG Index to meet the market's financial community's sustainable investment needs. The American Bankers Association, a bipartisan bill they have backed, hopefully will ease LIBOR fixes that's been introduced into the Senate of the United States of America. While worrying statistic, if you're using USDT and you have a concern about AML, KYC and all those sorts of regulatory things, 80% of China's crypto fraudulent schemes are carried out using the USDT coin. Australia this week they're freeing up carbon credits for sales to the private market for the first time and there were questions being asked about the staying power of crypto's rediscovered refuge status by Bloomberg. Oil is soaring. All manner of commodities are in the stratosphere. Bitcoin has bounced a bit. I'm not quite sure the safe haven theory is holding all that well. Speaking of safe-haven theories, the South China Morning Post got very excited this week as China's yuan seeks to challenge the US dollar. What role will Russia play? Of course, when it comes to the yuan being the world's reserve currency, or even in the top three, there's just that little bit about free convertibility. Then again, maybe the Chinese hope to amp up the Brussels-Frankfurt playbook, whereby the Eurozone seem to reckon they have total control of their euro. Technology news this week. Gripping stuff from BMLL, the vendors of an exquisite 15 petabyte lake of data, which they curate highly effectively. The View from the Feed, their latest market lens, was published this week. For those of you who love the thrill of your brain coming close to overheating like those liquid helium vats at the end of The Man with the Golden Gun, it's another simply scintillating read from the men and women with the 15 petabyte and growing golden data lake. Digital Asset, they've announced the general availability of their markup language, DAML 2.0, while ICE Mortgage Technologies' eClose solution saves lenders 70 minutes per loan. A material improvement for all parties and a good example of how Exchange Nice can expand to a cornucopia of other financial processes. Regulation news this week in. Sweeping their way through a nomination process which looks to have gone absolutely easily and swimmingly, President Biden's four CFTC nominees all called for more powers for the Commodity Futures Trading Commission to be regulating and policing crypto as they sailed through the Senate Agricultural Committee hearing. The FCA in the UK, they are not happy about Binance once again. They're endeavouring to close a backdoor access to UK regulated status for one tentacle of the Binance octopus. And meanwhile, just as we close for Pixel, the President of the United States of America, Joseph Biden, Joe Brezhnev as we call him in Exchange Invest, he ordered studies on regulating and issuing cryptocurrency. Presumably the brief ran, check out this bit malarkey in the first line. Career paths this week. India's National Stock Exchange, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is seeking a new CEO. That's before the planned IPO. Presuming of course that the planned IPO has not already been endangered by the Chitra Ram Krishna crisis, the holy hoax fiasco and kolo and all of that. Clearly the NSE are trying to make it look as if they aren't back in charge of the narrative post the Holy Hoax fiasco, albeit it seems that the Holy Hoax fiasco hasn't actually read the memo that it's supposed to be finished, done and dusted. Thus, another CEO of the exchange, in this case Vikram LeMay, will be leaving office as his term ends in June. Question of the week, will Vikram LeMay now get the same multi-million dollar payoff as his disgraced predecessor Chitra Ramkrishnar. Sad news this week Valley the founder of CRT Chicago research and trading at one time a benchmark in options trading across the world. We were saddened to hear the news of the death of electronic trading pioneer Joseph Ritchie. Demonstrating the increasing importance within the Intercontinental Exchange of their mortgage business Marty Trinancy who currently serves on the ICE subsidiary board of directors Ice Mortgage Technology Inc is filling a newly created ICE board slot. At the same time, ICE announced that directors Charles Crisp, Frederick Salerno and Vincent Tees will not be standing for re-election at the company's annual meeting of stockholders to be held on May 13, 2022. Mr Salerno, who has served as ICE's lead independent director since 2008, will be succeeded by Thomas Noonan, who has been a director of ICE since September 2016. One final fascinating hire this week, straight from B3 in Brazil. Their CFO is going to be joining the Hong Kong exchanges as the co-head of Emerging Business Development. Of course, with the Ukrainian invasion in full swing, thanks to Russia's military intervention, for those of you who like to see a truly robust, if not downright feral yield curve, Russia's central bank had last week hiked ruble interest rates to. 20% 20% from 9.5% by the close of business last Monday. Meanwhile, a lot has been made in the media of the Moscow Exchange's closure over the course of the last week or so, which many journalists have pronounced as being the longest in Russian history. Perhaps you can remind me, dear listener, how much Russian trading data is available on, say, Bloomberg, or indeed within BMLL's 15-petabyte trading data lake from say Q4 1917 to the opening of my sex on January the 9th 1992 and on that mysterious and magnificent note ladies and gentlemen my name is Patrick L. Young publisher of the Exchange Invest newsletter wishing you a great week in life and markets. <music>